Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Hello, beloved listeners. This is Octavia's Parables. Uh, Parable of the Talents, Chapter 11. I am your co-host, Adrian Marie Brown. I'm Toshi Regan. And every single week, um, I think every single week, this this book in particular, we've been like, this one's hard. Here comes something hard. But particularly, Chapter 11, we were both just commenting on how this is our least favorite of Octavia's writing across all of her work. (laughs) This is- All of it. This is maybe the, the roughest- chapter set of chapters um so you know as you normally do listen to this however you listen to this but we want to give you that opportunity to have a mindful intentional experience with the 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 text which is make sure you have water nearby if you need to clear your energy before it or after juniper cedar sage lavender other things can help with that and just really stay present like these are all things that are happening now, could happen now. Um, and so it's, it's, it's actually responsible to engage it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the, the hijinks, um, Toshi, do you have any updates, any news? Yeah. Um, my updates are to check out Alexis Pauline Gums in mine, a long water song project of marine uh, mammal meditations and you can do that for free um, on soundcloud.com backslash longwater song and the third one might be up which is absolutely gorgeous writing by alexis Mm. and um an innovation and insight i don't think beautiful world will be out by then however but it is on the horizon the new record by myself oh i'm very excited about this toshi I'm very ready for yes. this work, you know. Every song is done except for for um one song when your favorite done your best. That's yes. the song that I absolutely must have on an album so that I can play yes. it to death. Like I feel like that song, you know, back in the days of vinyl, that would have been yes. <laughs> the song where I was like, Err. okay. <laughs> like yes. I, I've worn a new groove. Um, yeah, well, that song is Michelle, so incredible. And Michelle, um, Michelle, my kinfolk, Michelle and Dega Cello just put a beautiful bass line on it. <gasps> so, I mean, we're, Chills. we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. that song, I mean, it comes to mind a lot. This is a, this has been an interesting and hard time um, as we're recording this. We're like in the wake of, you know, the, the respite of the Chauvin verdict and then the immediate and swift reminder of where we are with the death of Makia Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. We lost a friend in our community, LL. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just been, you know, all of that is, is like just happening and just feeling really fresh and really tender. And I do feel like we're all doing our best. Um, You're doing our best. Yeah. Over a year into this pandemic. And it's just like so hard to keep grieving and keep pushing on and keep working. So mm-hmm. this this chapter also feels appropriate for that when you're just like, what about when you've done your best and then more and harder mm-hmm. comes? Yes. So here we are. Toshi. Here we are. What happens? Chapter 11 mm-hmm. from Earthseed, the books of the living. Choose your leaders with wisdom and forethought. 
To be led by a coward is to be controlled by all that the coward fears. To be led by a fool is to be led by the opportunist who control the fool. To be led by a thief is to offer up your most precious treasures to be stolen. To be led by a liar is to ask to be told lies. To be led by a tyrant is to sell yourself and those you love into slavery. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I just put at the top of the page, gone, again, gone. Yeah. And, um, and not even Octavia and Ben Coley's daughter has much to say about this. She just, just, just says, go, go read the journals, you know? And I think that, um, I'm just going to dig in. I'm not going to say all of the things I, it is, it is helpful to read this, um, the way she wrote it. Yeah. Um, because it, 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 it eases you into one of the most like difficult things that you, you can imagine. And especially I think, um, coming out of parable of the sower, I was just like, yay, we're done. We're done. We got somewhere. We're good. <laughs> and as we have taken this talents journey, we realize, oh wait, we're not done. But then this happens. So Lauren just simply says Monday, September 26, 2033, they didn't shoot their way in. It seems that they don't, don't intend to kill us yet. Since Dove Tree, they have changed. Their leader has come to power. They have acquired, if not legitimately, at least a shadow of sophistication. Hmm. Roaring in, shooting everyone, and burning everything is perhaps too crude for them now. Or maybe it's just not as much fun. So um, she is letting you know that they have they have been attacked yeah and she's letting you know that it um it happens on a a very regular day for them and there's not any warning there's no anything um and she says last tuesday afternoon last week i was sketching two of the faircloth kids and talking with them about the project they wanted to work on for school they had in their required study of history just discovered World War II, and they wanted to build models of battleships and submarines and airlines and airplanes of the times. Mm. And they wanted to report on these big um, big battles. And she goes on with this, um, this, this day, and she goes on about the families and who they are and where they come from, and that they're sitting there, and she has her baby laying by her side, and she's sketch and she's sketching and she's listening to their enthusiasm and them making suggestions. And then she talks about a maggot. And a maggot is um is nicknamed in that its shape is is ugly, um, is something less than a tank and something more than a truck. Mm-hmm. It's a big armed and armored all terrain, all wheel drive vehicle, and private cops and military people use them. And people with plenty of money drive them as private cars. Maggots can go almost anywhere, over, around, and through almost anything. And the people of Halstead have one. They've used it now and then to collect Bancoli. Several small towns have one or two for the cops or for search and rescue for the hills. Hmm. But they had seven of them. They Seven of them came crawling out of the hills. Um, through the thorn fence towards them. There had been no warning from the watchers, nothing at all. 
That was my first thought when I saw them coming. Where was Lucia Figueroa and Noriko Cardos? Why hadn't they warned us? Were they all right? Mm. So they, of course, have had many, 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 many exercises on what to do if they get attacked. They have right. plans. They have. I love they, they have, call them bug outs. Yes, they call them bug outs, old school from Van Coley. And um, and she sends the boys to to warn. Um, she has a phone. She takes out her phone. She does an SOS and she grabs her baby and she runs for the hill. And she tries to, to be strategic in her running. She tries to keep a school building between the two of them and the maggots. And she's she's moving and she notices that there's kind of a, a military formation. Like this is just yes. way different from anything um, that she's ever experienced in combat with anyone on the road or um, at Acorn. Uh, she can't find Van Coley. Um, she can't really, you know, they've had to practice. And she says when they practice, it's like go in multiple directions and stay away from each other. And um, and she's doing what she's supposed to do. And then uh, gas canister... Uh, canisters appear and um she just soon falls out from the gas mm -hmm. someone comes and they take um they take the baby away from her and they drag her across the ground and she's immobile there's nothing she can do about it and it is as bad as you can imagine um and she's hopeful that somebody reached their truck she's yeah. saying perhaps one of us have reached the truck and tried to use it you know, maybe Ben Coley and, or Harry, she's just trying to imagine what was happening, but she, there's no way for her to know mm. what is going on. Um, sometime after a man wearing the uniform, the black pants and the belted black tunic with a white cross in the front, he comes and he does something to all of them. They're now all, all gathered and they can't find the children. So it's, they're just, they're just there. And he snaps on um, a slave collar. And this, she says, it was that simple. They took a corn. Its name is Camp Christian now. We captives were not able to do more than twitch, blink, or moan for over an hour. There was plenty of time to collar almost all of us, except for Grayson. Grayson refused to collar. Grayson had been a slave earlier in his life. And he uh, he had spent his childhood and his young manhood on property of people who treated him horribly, and so he was not he was not going out like that. And so he actually got the truck, and he the house truck, and he was able to battle, um, but he was overcome, yeah, by them. And eventually, Grayson is dead. It's life. It's alright to have. A life and be well. It's a home. It's all right to have a home with yourself. Free from harm, no intrusion and no wrong. No one to take you. From what you know is you. Oh, I got a right, got a right. 
I mean, though, I was crying through most of this chapter, like shock crying, but Grayson's loss is a big one. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the truck and the house truck, they made it explode, and and it was and it was you know, it was it was done. So Lauren is in a state of of disbelief. Um, they have separated the women and the men. They put the men in a big room. They put the women in a small room. And, um, and there are more women than men. So Lauren was like, why would they do that? And <laughs> she's still thinking like an yes. organizer and a strategist. Yeah. And so the women are just, re- she saw Ben Coley. She saw him in the other room and she saw his eyes blink and she saw him laying down, but he didn't see her. He didn't acknowledge her. He didn't, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, uh, all, they're all taking like, um, you know, account of like what has yeah. happened yeah. and where are they? So one thing that's happened to everyone is that their children are gone. Nobody, they all, they all lost their children and they have this, the women have this time inside of this um, room where they just try to see who's there. And you have to understand that everybody has had the effects of this gas. So some people are able to talk. Some people aren't. Some people um, are are uh, are fluid, and some people are not. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is just they they start to just really sink in what is happening to them. And there are a lot of ways that they're they're checking in and seeing what's going on and seeing the state of who of what is happening to them. Yeah. Um, so this is like a cut, you know, a couple of pages of check-ins, like yeah. who's here, what's going on? What did you see? Yeah. Um, you know, what did it, what did it do? And, and Lauren is, is in her, you know, state of, of planning, of thinking of, of trying to strategize. It just yes. doesn't leave her, but they, uh, they, they have the collars on them and they're really understanding that they have that. And uh, they notice, Teresa Lynn notices that a window is open. Uh-huh. And she's looking out the window and she's like, there's a window open, you know, and they're kind of all in the room with the collars. And she's like, hello, there's a window open. Yeah. Um, and Lauren is not thinking like we should just all try to jump out the window. Right. Like, even though they haven't, most of them have never been collared, they just know a little bit something about it yeah so um they start to to learn like they start to try to learn like how far they can go mm-hmm. but Teresa just jumps out the window and when she jumps out the window it is it is not it is not good yeah and so she is just screaming on the ground and they are like somebody is looking, but they that's when they start to go, all right, where can we go before these callers like try like, to take us out? Take us down, yeah. And so there is just some um, movement around the room, but to see like what's happening. And then Zara is found and, uh, and Zara is found um, dead. 
Mm. And this that this one tore me up too. Completely. Um, <laughs> tore me up. Oh I God. know who do you want, you know, Octavia really sets you up because it's no, even if you don't know the most about anybody, like mm-hmm. what do we know about Dan Neuer's sisters? Like, like almost nothing. Yeah. We, we don't want anybody to die. We don't. And um, we, we embrace all of them because of the nature of what they are building with Earthseed and Acorn. Yeah. And so it feels like, you know, you, you, sh- you shouldn't lose been anybody. Since the beginning, it just feels like so, yeah. It's, it's a massive it's, loss. It is a massive loss. So you have Teresa, you know, screaming, and then you have the discovery of Zara um, being dead, and um, and there's a guy who's who's a small person, smaller person, and who can like move around the room and like see people. And this was just because they were realizing that some people might not be able to verbalize yet. Yeah. So Zara's Zara's gone, and um, Lauren goes to be n- near her and hold her hand, and mm. she stays there, and she uh, falls asleep. And when she wakes up, she's laying on um, Natividad's leg, and Natividad is asleep, and they um, and she awakes. She she wakes up and you know the first thing she realizes is that you know her her breasts are swollen. She hasn't been able yeah. to nurse. Um, Zara is dead next to her, and um, the room they count that there's 19 women, uh, girls, older girls in this in this small room together, and um, and she locates a place to pee in this in the space. She finds a place where there's a hole yeah. and she pees through this hole and everybody follows through and they start to, as they start to relieve themselves, they start to think about all the other things. Like I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and, yeah. you know, feel there. And Lauren really tells people like, like, stop thinking about that. Like, stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. Like yeah. stay focused. Um, and they notice that these people are building a fence they're going in and out of their houses. They're eating their food. They're doing, they're doing, they're doing everything. Yeah. And, um, and she tries to gather the group and she's like, there's things we need to talk about. And people are messed up. Yeah. And, <laughs> I think, I, you know, they're just yeah. like, everybody's not available. You know, they've been through yeah. excruciating pain on multiple plat, multiple levels. They can't, you know, they're not here for uh, like, let's come together and do something. But Lauren is like, look, sooner or later, our captors will come in here when they do. We need to be ready for them as ready as we can be. And she just keeps trying to bring people. And eventually she says, we need to pretend to go along with them as much as we can. We need to obey them and watch them and learn what they are and what they want and what and where they're weak. Um, Nobody's happy about any of this. uh, But Lauren is like, they'll tell us lies. They'll give us misinformation. Uh, they start to talk about rape. Adela says they'll rape us. And she's whimpering when she says that, you know, they will. She, she knew they would. She had already suffered so much rape. She and Nina and Ali and Emery, the rest of us have been lucky so far. Now our luck has run out. Somehow we'll have to cope with that. Um, so how to, how to put up with rape, how to, how to obey, you know, what can't be obeyed, how to move through these steps. 
So inside herself, Lauren feels so, so ashamed. She feels terrible. She feels like these are my people. They had trusted me and now they were captives and I could do nothing. I could do nothing but give them galling advice and try to give them hope. God has changed. I heard myself saying, our captors are on top now, but if we do this right, we will beat them. It's, it's that or just, or just die. So they, they, they continue to, to let it sink in. They're just realizing like, you know, some folks need medicine and they, can, they won't, they don't have any access to it. They have no idea what's happening with the men in the other room, but eventually a, a, a giant man <laughs> with a beard um, comes in and he points to Allie and Lauren and he's like, go pick up that cor- corpse. And he's referring to Teresa outside. And then Lauren mentions that there's a dead person in there and he zaps her. And it's like, don't, don't talk. Don't tell me anything. Just do what I say. And this is Allie stepped forward to help her and he zaps Allie. And um, so you don't touch one another, whatever filth you're used to, it's over. It's time for you to learn to behave like decent Christian women. If you've got brains to learn. So that was that <laughs> says they think we're a dirty cult of free lovers and they have come to straighten us out and educate us. Mm. Um, and she believes Allie and her were chosen because they are the biggest women in the room. So they're ordered to carry out Zara and then Teresa. And then they're told to go out with uh, picks and shovels and dig, dig graves. They had no food. They still haven't had water. Um, all they've gotten is this jolt of agony. And then when they slow down more, the overseer will zap them. And mm. then the ground that they choose for them to dig these graves, they used it for jojoba plants. Um, the plants are tough. They don't need much. And that's why they use that area. But it's a terrible place to be trying to to dig holes like graves for people. So that she is digging Zara's grave. And um, the other women were brought out of the school and made to watch. They were like, I knew that because my attention was caught by the sudden movement of silent approaching people. I looked up and saw the women shepherded toward us by three black tunic and cross wearing men. Sometime later, I realized that the men had also been marched out and they were kept separate. And it seemed that some of them were digging too. And this is where she freezes because she's looking for Ben Coley and for Harry, and she can't really see that they're there. Um, and anytime it looks like her attention is, is moving towards something else, she's getting yelled at and risking, um, risking being zapped. And so she sees uh, Lucio digging a hole and Ted Fairclough digging a third and Travis, he's swinging a pickaxe and they see them doing this. And she's still looking for her husband and she's being yelled at. And, um, you know, and what they realize is that it doesn't matter what they do. They can be perfectly digging a grave. They can be perfectly quiet. They can be perfectly calm following instructions. They can be the most perfect, you know, whatever version of Christianity they want them to be. And submission is no protection. Mm. And so that they in actually enjoy torturing them no matter what. So they are, they see gray. They they're, they all get to walk around these graves. 
And then uh, Emery Moore and her daughter start to scream because they see they see Gray, and uh, eventually uh, she finds Ben Coley, mm-hmm. and so the dead are Zara, Teresa, Lynn, Grayson, Vincent, and Ben Coley on that one first day. It always, I always. It just makes me cry right now. <laughs> just like the the shock of it all and like the looking for Bancoli, looking for Bancoli, looking for Bancoli and just the dread of it and then having to find out that you've lost your love in this way, the father of your child and like the 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 dehumanization of it all. Um it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's it's terrible. It's terrible in the in this story, and it's it's terrible in our real lives. Yeah, I yeah, I've got a lot of questions around. <laughs> do people understand I know you that do. this is happening around us? Um, oh, but yeah, before we move into questions, I think just taking a moment with y'all as our listeners, um, a moment of silence, a memorial for these characters. Mm. each of them is a stand-in for someone you know in our world and absolutely so the opening earth seed verse of this choose your choose your leaders with uh, wisdom and forethought is um such a powerful powerful verse and each time i read it i i hear it distinctly so part of it is like what my first question is what is the character of those you are currently led by um, both globally and nationally, locally and morally, because I think that we have leaders in lots of different realms and leaders uh, that guide our thinking and our feeling and our actions. Um, yes. And my second question around the Earthseed verse is, do you feel this Earthseed verse is a self-critique of Lauren um, mm. because of that last line, right? Where she's like, if you... I believe it's if you're led by cowards, you are giving your people up to slavery. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, when I read that line, I'm like, she's going through the experience as a leader of having her people um, snatched into slavery. And I wonder if there's a critique in there that's like, what was I too scared to create the defense I needed? Was I too frightened? Well, it's even deeper than what you say. So she yeah. says at the beginning to be led by a coward is to be controlled by all that the coward fears. Yes. At the end, she says to be led by a tyrant is to sell yourself and those you love yes. into slavery. Yes. And tyrant. so I think it's, yeah. It's, I read it's, it as a self-critique. The, yeah. I do. It, it certainly could be because in this, as we've been reading along, we see what Lauren does around fear that Earthseed, that something can happen with Earthseed. So one is, I think she doesn't make as great a space as she could for her brother, who's the first person to tell, inform her that, that people know about what they're doing. No, you're being watched. You're not under any radar. Yeah. And can't stand what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And partly I think he can't stand with it from a belief system, but he can't stand it also because of how she's treated him yes um while he was there and and she didn't meet his needs and not that 
that as she ever could have, but she just didn't. Yeah. And so these people like um, know everything and how did they know it? Yeah. And so this, this like her being so afraid mm-hmm. of something led her and then not really being open to explore Van Coley's idea. Yeah. Um, not being really open to having a, a, a belief, an additional belief systems be present at, at Acorn. Yeah. Where she was like, you can be kicked out for having a different belief system. Like, isn't yeah. that's, that's deep. So. It is deep. And like, you know, even in how they did preparations, right? Like, this is Lauren at the go bag. And so they still kept that go bag mentality, you know, like, there's, there's, uh, you know, let's do bug outs. Like, let's do trainings if, if we get one attack. But mm-hmm. it's, they weren't necessarily prepared for war, right? Like, they no. weren't prepared to be in a in a war situation. And I, I want listeners to reflect on, you know, as you were reading or listening to this chapter, did you experience regret or judgment on behalf of the characters um, or at the characters? You know, they didn't move to Halstead. Uh, they didn't set up a sort of military <laughs> arm of their work. They didn't anticipate this particular kind of attack. Um, you know, they were really living in a what looks like a beautiful, mostly off-grid, you know, near utopian or seed moment. And um, so, yeah, did you feel regret or judgment? Just notice that in yourself because we want to keep bringing these lessons current for the work we're in, for how we're building, what we're building, how we're attending to safety, how we're attending to the true political conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those feelings that you might have for the characters here are ones to bring home. Do you feel that in your own work, in your own choices too? Yeah. And then, you know, you implied this to Toshi. It's the thing I kept thinking about. Uh, Do you understand how and where this is happening in the world today? Right. And I thought of so many things, but the first one that was sort of front and center was deportation and how this is what happens. It's like literally people are in their home, living their lives with their families, loving each other. And then someone bursts through the door, seizes them, takes control of the conditions, um, removes the children from the parents' care and chaos ensues. And, and then you're there completely um, in the control of ICE, in the control of this government body. And, you know, there's other pieces of this, right, that our prison system is is also functioning in these ways, right? Like mm-hmm. how do we punish people for anything, you know, engage in unjust power dynamics to make people do what we want them to do? and And fundamentally exerting control over people with no sense of their humanity, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no connectiveness. There's no, um, uh, it's just about the politic or whatever. Like there's something deeply, deeply disconnected within the people who are pulling this off. And we know that that exists. Were there other examples that came up for you, Toshi, like of places where you're Mm -hmm. seeing this happen in the here and now? Yeah, I see it happen as, you know, the the defund or abolish police movement. I think that that people, um, especially in government, aren't taking the necessary wide steps that need to go with transformative change in policing. Yeah. So it's it's like it's 
it's one thing, even if you're like, yes, you know, there's these, we need to suspend these cops and we need to do this and we, or, or fire them. But I'm like, well, what happens to them after you fire them? Because if you don't have, yeah, you know, the, it's the, the container of policing is a hub for people who want that behavior and to get paid. So the container <laughs> yeah. of armies is a hub for people who want to have that level of behavior and get paid and have the camaraderie of it and have no one ever, ever tell them, no, they can't do it. That's right. So it, if there are no systems set up to actually either support these individuals transformation, if they're open to it or take away a lot of the um, things that they get access to legally, at least like, <laughs> Like, Mm -hmm. then you can't have transformation. Like, you can't have transformation in law enforcement, but anybody can get a gun in too many places. And you can't have transformation in uh, in law enforcement if it's okay to have, like, independent militia all over the country. And you definitely can't have it if so much of the harm that is done to people is actually allowed to you know, run around in abundance. So there, you know, when it comes to rape, it's just like legally there, it is, it has such a poor wall of defense for anybody. And we can't even tell the truth about it. No. Like, you know, who and what and where. So I feel like it happens all around me. I didn't feel like it's in my apartment building and I feel like it's in my neighborhood. And I feel that at like many, um, times of chaos on the planet when we look back they all many of them start with a tension mm-hmm. a political tension led by some people who never should have been start in charge mm-hmm. and they and they surface the old frictions that people have actually already decided they didn't need anymore yep. and they surface them and they make them alive yep. and they segregate people and they move people into extreme positions and then the media covers only the extreme positions exactly and eventually a thing will happen. And that thing is the bell that look, everybody can go do what it is they want to do. And then it takes years. So I feel very vulnerable on on planet earth and in America, because they don't, if you can feel it, then it's happening. You're not lying to yourself. So what is, what is it that you do about it? You know, the, in the long term journey and then in the, the right now, right now, here, here and now journey. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Like there's such a, you know, when you have the kind of intergenerational imprints that we have, um, or it's like slavery, you know, I think about this often, it lasted longer than it has been over. And we haven't moved away from it, even the link that it existed, much less put it really truly in our past. And so that is inner, that's imprinted inside of us, all of us. And then Mm -hmm. some of us feel further away from that possibility now and others feel right up in it now. Um, And there's many kinds of traps in the world. There's many ways that this can happen. I think it's particularly fascinating that it's camp Christian, that it is a group that is exacting such violence under mm-hmm. the guise of faith where it's like, this is not how you invite people to a relationship with God. So mm-hmm. there's something so um, sharp about Octavia's critique of religion, which we see, I think in every text that she offers us, there's a yeah. critique in there of, of how organized religion does not actually end up upholding a sense of values alignment 
values in alignment with the earth or values in alignment with collectivity that there mm-hmm. always it ends up being this hierarchical dominant divisive energy and she's really naming that here mm. and so the question i have for listeners is does this does something like this feel possible for you or for your community like mm. are you in a community where you're like i could imagine someone rolling in and taking over um has this happened to your community you know if you're ferguson portland other places where you've had That's the right. national guard roll in and you know issue a curfew and tell you what to do and and you know not everyone is being a collar put on them, whatever, but a, a ton of people are experiencing tear gas and rubber bullets and other methods of domination, right? So does it feel possible mm-hmm. to you? And be with that. Why or why not, right? What are the conditions of that? If it doesn't feel possible to you, are you in right relationship with those who it does feel possible for, right? Mm-hmm. Like we keep each other safe. Like, how are you contributing to the safety and public space, yo? Yep. <laughs> we need to keep all the public space. All we of need it. to keep it. We need to keep it, keep it, keep it. Yep. You know, like last night, um, or maybe it's whenever the Oscars were, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tyler Perry got won this uh, award for being a, I think, a helpful person. Oh. And he made a speech and I, and in his speech, he was saying that like, you know, naming people, Asian people, black people, LGBTQIA people. I don't know if he used all, all, all that I said, but he was referencing the queer, queer spectrum of folks. Uh And then he said the police and then the other, like named some other groups. And he was like, we all need to meet in the middle. Oh. And so it was like, I as I think there are so many people, and especially like this is you know, a man who's grown grown his own business and and his you know be, he, he just became a billionaire this year, yeah. Um, but as a person who you know has um, works in a gigantic industry and has created his thousands of employees, he doesn't know that there's a difference between the police and a black person. Yeah. Like that those are not equivalent categories. Yes. Like he doesn't know that. Yes. That's a, that's a black man that's like yes. made his money, you know, being a black woman who's had to fight against everybody and do all of the things. And he doesn't know. Yes. He has no idea like what he just said. He, 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 he gives the police the pedestal that they think they deserve. Yeah. That says a lot to me in terms of like a collective response to pain and injustice. Yes. That if you equate your oppressor with, you know, the people and not like that's a person with a job and they're doing the job badly and that the job needs to be transformed and then the people in the job need to be transformed but they're not a race of people. That's right. <laughs> they're not a community of people. I was like, oh my God, he doesn't even know. And I think exactly. that's, it, it's a complicated. And I've it's heard it from even elected officials that they don't know. Right. Like Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. They're, exactly. What? It's like, that's a, there's a job and then there's a, a body of people who have been marked for oppression by an institution that benefits from their yeah. labor. <laughs> Not the was, same. It's mm. not the same, boo. What is going on? Mm. I would like really 
hope everybody in them done called him up and said, if you don't get yourself together out here trying to speak for people and what is the middle anyway? So we, we not, we not, we're done with the middle. Yeah. (laughs) The middle is, well, we have been to the middle. (laughs) The middle, middle, I mean, I I love what you're saying here, Toshi, because what I really believe is the middle is what allows these conditions. The middle is absolutely what allows these conditions. This idea of neutrality without justice of, you know, some objective way that we're all supposed to be that's the right way that doesn't take into account truth and reconciliation and actually attending to the harm, attending to the violence, attending to the legacies, attending to what has been stolen. It's like trying to be in the middle without those things being brought to the light and being brought to righteousness means that they continue. Those things continue, but with a a kinder and kinder and kinder and gentler language around them, right? Like we're all just need to get along. And it's like, some people were never trying to not get along. We're trying to live. Y'all did slavery. (laughs) Like, you know, like forgive us for being angry. Like what? No. So, so my next question is, you know, they had done bug outs. They had done some practices to prepare themselves pretty regularly for Mm -hmm. invasion, for attack, and yet they were not prepared for this. So how do you prepare for the worst case scenario without Mm -hmm. becoming obsessive about it, without becoming, without being manifesting of it? But Mm -hmm. how do you face the reality that there is a worst case scenario? And what would your community do? Yeah. Yes. Um. I love this, the whole concept of how submission is not protection. Like no matter what thing you do, there's no behaving enough to warrant uh, peace inside of this kind of oppression, right? Yes. And that feels super relevant for for this whole generation of time where we're being told to just be respectable and act right and behave and, you know, never defend ourselves and all these other things. And then our lives will matter. And we're just like, no. (laughs) So- in what parts of your political work, in what parts of your community work, are you still being asked into submission in order to mm. experience change? Just notice, like, you know, if you do electoral organizing, if you're trying to move policy locally, if, like, if you're being told defund the police is too radical to say, like, what what are the places where... Hey, Obama. Right? I'm like, <laughs> <clears throat> sir, my multiracial <laughs> brethren, uh, you know... When what places are you you being invited and asked or demanded to submit in mm. order to access your demands or in order to get what you actually need? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love this question so much, and I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I I can find places where I've been asked to like be quiet, or or people have have refused to answer my questions. <sighs> So that it it forces me to pretend that they didn't do that, but also not respond to it. Like it, exactly. I mean, of course, I'm like, are you not answering this? You know, because I, I have gotten <laughs> to that age where I just am like, are you intentionally not answering this question, or yeah. did you go on vacation this week? <laughs> like, exactly. What well, I need to understand. Yeah. I need, but I, I, but it's really out there, and mm-hmm. I don't know, especially in this particular point in time where. People are trying to get back online institutionally and be like, how do yes. we open our doors and what can happen? And it's a lot of times where 
I'll be asking a question and I, and nobody will answer it. And I'm like, are we, are we, is, are we not answering this question <laughs> or do I need to ask in a different way? Like, what is, what, yeah. am I asking the wrong people? Like, right. Well, like and I, I do think help. we have this weird, you know, the orientation that we get structured into right now is someone else has the answer. Like someone else mm-hmm. will hand us down the way, the guidelines, the mm-hmm. whatever. And I know I, we've been experiencing this like, oh, you know, people are vaccinated. Like we're basically all supposed to just submit <laughs> to this concept right. of the vaccination means equal safety. And so don't worry, reopen everything, get this economy going, um, which is like submitting to mythology. Like we're like, we literally don't know how long this thing lasts. Mm-hmm. Like we're in, you know, I'm in Michigan. It's like the outbreaks are getting worse, not better. We're losing yes. more people, not less. Um but we're still being asked to submit to this myth that we'll be we'll be safe. And, you know, it really is like submission to me, it is on the path to death. The the kind this mm-hmm. kind of submission, political submission, right? Is on the path to death where there it's basically like your point of view, your perspective, your life, your needs yes. don't matter. Your need for justice, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Um so And there's no there's no segregation, I mean, that can help, you know, and I think that's like we, you know, my ancestors already did that at the turn of the century and built their communities and things. And they were brutally attacked for their, you know, for having um, the abundance of ideas of to self-sustain themselves and yeah. be like, OK, y'all don't want us to be over here. Like, you know, and, and segregation doesn't work anyway, because we're all on the planet and the planet just doesn't care yeah. that you decided you you can be over there and not, but drink from the same water, you know? So it's, yes. it's, yes. it, it's, that's a really, a really great question to be thinking on. Yeah. Spend some time there and, you know, it's always fractal. So it might be very intimate submission. That is the most familiar one for you. Um, mm, have mercy. And, you know, without consent, <laughs> no good. Um, there you go. So then this one is just like, whenever I watch a show or whatever, I find myself going and finding those quizzes where it's like, which character are you, <laughs> you know, in the show? Because <laughs> um, there's like character types, right? Uh, and so for this chapter, I really had that sense, that question, like, which character, who in this chapter are you? Like who, which personality, which needs, which moves would you make? Um, are you Grayson? right? Resisting completely. It's like, I will not surrender. I would rather die. That's my choice, right? Are you Teresa, right? There's an open window, mm. got to go, right? Like impulsive, but moving towards freedom, you know, are you Lauren trying to assess the situation, trying to make a plan? Um, or are you one of the many other people in the room who's who's like looking for leadership, going along with what's unfolding, try, you know, just I'm trying to survive, right? And be honest with yourself here, because I do think it matters to align yourselves with the types that <laughs> make the most sense to be aligned with as, as much as you can, mm-hmm. but really be honest about who you are in these circumstances so you can prepare to do that well, right? Like if you're someone who's like, I look to be a follower, it's like, how do you be a good follower who contributes to liberation in those moments? Right. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to be resistant and say, we will not surrender, how do you do that en masse? Like, how do you do that so that everyone does that rather than just being the one person who does that and is taken out and, or so on and so forth? How do you actually build a strength around the type that you are? Right. 
And of course, you know, there's types you want to be, but then there's the type you are. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you pick somebody? You know, it's interesting because I, I, the type I want to be is a Grayson, right? It's just sort of like, I shall not, I will not. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to die, but I, I am also like, I don't, I don't, I I just can't, I, you know, I want to be that type that would run. But I definitely think in truth, I'm much more of a Lauren type in this scenario, which is like, Mm -hmm. we need to gather data. We need to keep our heads down until it's clear how, you know, till the, the, I think of that line from Lao Tzu. It's like, you have to let the, the mud settle so that the water is clear and you can figure out what's going on. And I do think that, that that's what I'm drawn to inside of this. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that's what I normally do in actual crises is I kind of set the emotional piece uh, into a compartment and then figure out like, okay, what's the lay of this landscape? What is the Mm. logistical piece? And I notice that here, you know, it's like Bancoli is gone. Zara is gone. Grayson is gone. And she's not writing about her grief. That's not part Mm -hmm. of what she's documenting. We don't, we don't get to see that part of her. It's private, which I think is true for a lot of leaders is that the grief is private and the labor is public. Um, so yeah, I, I want to hear that for people, you know, and read deeply, you might be Allie, you might be someone else, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I do think it's interesting to, you know, as, especially as the next chapters unfold, I think just keep asking yourself that question, like, oh, would I make that choice? Which choice would I make? How would I do this? Mm -hmm. Like, that's part of how you actually prepare yourself to survive situations like this is actually letting the case studies and the practice happened within your mind. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then my final question, and I think this is a question I'm going to keep bringing back because it feels so big to me, is how do we stay connected to the future in a moment or a period of devastation? Mm-hmm. Right? Like yes. these people are like, there has to be some future where I get my child back. There has to be some future where I get out of this collar. There has to be some future where I get out of this room. Yep. Right. But there's also like whatever future that is will not have many of my loved ones there. Will I be there? How will I how will I get there? And yes. I I was I didn't even, I'm like, I don't even want to say hope. Right? right. Like that feels too far reached potentially from this place, but just to the idea that there is a future beyond the room, like how do we cultivate that muscle? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Mm. That's what we got for this chapter. This one and it's not gonna get easier. You know, no. it's not. Um, so here we are. Here we are. <laughs> and we said it from the beginning, Shit. but just another reminder, this is ground yourself, plant your body into gravity, right? Like whether it's your feet on the ground or your butt on a pillow or something, but just feel gravity beneath you. Feel yourself in this present moment. Feel that while all these things are true, in this moment, you're having a chance to study and prepare and think ahead and think it through. So feel all the feelings, but also really be present with the, the possibilities. Yeah. Yes. Chapter 11. Chapter 11. There it is. Slavery still exists. Still exists. Octavia's Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and Adrian Marie Brown, produced by Kat Aaron with help from Kenzie Clark. Our show art is by Krista Franklin. Music for Octavia's Parables podcast is Always See the Stars 
by Toshi Regan, performed by Toshi Regan, and God is Change, written by Toshi Regan, and performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan. Tree of Life is written and performed by Toshi Regan and is available at morley.bandcamp.com in support of the amazing project Borderless Lullabies. Check it out. You can find us on Twitter at Oparables. Sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.com backslash Oparables. And you can always visit readingoctavia.com for transcripts. I also wanted to note a few people have started gathering the questions and they're like gathering all the questions into Google Docs. Um, I saw one today. I think this is really exciting. We will repost them on our Twitter at Oparables um, when we see them so that you can also see them if it would be helpful to just work with the questions as we go. Mm. All right. Love y'all. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is all that you touch, you change. All that you change, change is you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, change is you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, change is you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, change is